Hi, Teddy. Hi, Viv. Tonight, I am going to begin reading you guys our first chapter book. It is called Operation Orca. It's by Ron Roy, and it is a mystery. All right. Chapter one. Dink, Josh, and Ruth Rose walked along the boat dock in Juneau, Alaska. The water in the Gulf of Alaska sparkled under the warm summer sun. The kids wore shorts, t-shirts, and sandals. They were in Alaska with Dink's father, who was there for work. The kids were going on a whale watch. How will we know which boat? Josh asked. There are so many. It's called the Jamaica, Ruth Rose told him. The name will be on the side of the boat. I wonder why it's called that, Josh said. We're thousands of miles from Jamaica. My dad told me the owner was born in Jamaica, Dink said. His name is Rafe Johnson, and his boat is painted blue. I see about ten blue boats, Josh said. Navy blue, royal blue, light blue, sky blue, the color blue Ruth Rose is wearing. Ruth Rose liked to dress all in one color. Today's color was blueberry blue, the same as her eyes. Look, there it is, Ruth Rose yelled. They ran along the dock, their sandals slapping the wood. The Jamaica was bright blue like the tail feathers on a parrot Dink had seen in Mrs. Wong's pet shop back in Greenlawn. The boat was longer than a school bus. Dink noticed an awning where people could sit on the deck out in the sun. Jamaica had been painted in yellow on one side. This is so cool, Josh said. I've never seen a whale face to face. Can I help you, kiddos? A voice asked. The kids whipped around. A tall man stood there carrying white plastic bags filled with groceries. He wore baggy shorts and a blue t-shirt with an I love Jamaica printed on the front. His long dreadlocks were tied back with a string. The man smiled. Oh wait, are you the ones from Green something, Connecticut? He asked. Greenlawn, Dink said. I'm Dink and these are my friends, Josh and Ruth Rose. I'm Rafe, the tall man said. He hoisted his bags. Sorry, can't shake hands. Can we carry some for you? Ruth Rose asked. Awesome, Rafe said. He passed the bags to the kids. You're a day early, aren't you? We're going out tomorrow, right? We landed at the airport a couple hours ago, Ruth Rose explained. We're staying at the Turner Hotel. She pointed toward a building not far from the dock. We were just exploring and thought we'd check out your boat, Dink added. I'm glad you did, Rafe said. My boat group for today canceled, so I went grocery shopping. Want to come aboard while I put away this food? Excellent, Josh said. Mind your feet, Rafe said as he and the kids stepped aboard the Jamaica. If you fall in, the water is pretty cold. Josh looked down at the water. Are there sharks? Rafe grinned and nodded. Yeah, man, there is everything in these waters, he said. Once aboard, the kids followed Rafe down some stairs into a cabin. Dink looked around. He saw a small table, benches, a kitchen, and shelves of books. He noticed a tiny bathroom, a bed, and a TV. This is amazing, Dink said. You could live here. I do, most of the time, Rafe said. I also have an apartment in town. He began pulling food from the bags. Want to help, he asked. Sure, Dink said for all of them. Milk and juice in the fridge, soups in the cupboard, rice and cereal on the shelf, Rafe told the kids. When everything was put away, they sat in the shade under the awning. So are you excited about seeing whales up close, Rafe asked the kids. I couldn't sleep last night, Ruth Rose said. She showed Rafe her camera. I'm going to get a zillion pictures. You're lucky to have the chance, Rafe said.
Rafe looked at his watch. Here's an idea. Why don't we go out to see a few orcas right now? I know a small pod that isn't too far away. I'd have you back here in a few hours. Cool, Dink said. Let me call my dad. Dink pulled a cell phone from his pocket and called his father. They had a short conversation and Dink grinned. My dad said it's fine. Just don't fall overboard. Rafe laughed. You're safe with Rafe, he said. While I get us underway, you three put on life vests, please. They put on their orange vests, heard the Jamaican engine roar to life, and a few minutes later, they were headed out to sea. Chapter 2 After about 30 minutes, Rafe slowed the Jamaica. The boat settled in the water with its engine idling quietly. The sea was calm and the kids could hear seagulls cries over the boat's motor. Rafe swept his binoculars across the water, turning in a circle. I don't see any whales, Josh said, peering down into the water. This is the right area, Rafe said quietly. Maybe not the exact spot. Orcas move around, following the fish they want to eat. Ruth Rose had pulled her binoculars from her backpack. Look for a white splash or a tall black fin, Rafe said. When orcas come to the surface, they exhale, and that sends warm breath and water into the cooler air. It's like steam, but from a distance, we see a little splash. Rafe's boat made a big, slow circle. He held binoculars up to his eyes as he steered with the other hand. There, to the left, he said after a few minutes. The kids looked. A hundred yards away, they saw several splashes and black fins as orcas surfaced. Oh my gosh, Josh yelled. I'm actually looking at whales. Technically, you're looking at dolphins, Rafe said. Orcas are the largest members of the dolphin family. Are they playing, Josh asked. They might be, Rafe said. But they have to come to the surface to breathe every few minutes. That's when we get to see their dorsal fins, the tall ones on their backs. Rafe took the Jamaica a little closer to the action. Now the kids could see the small geysers of air mixed with water made by the orcas when they breathed out. All whales breathe through blowholes on top of their heads, Rafe said. Some whales have two holes, but orcas just have one. When they hit the surface, they blow out to get rid of old air. Then they take in more oxygen quickly before they dive again. Suddenly, a large orca shot out of the water. The black and white body gleamed under the sun before the orca landed back in the water, making a huge splash. Oh my gosh, Ruth Rose cried. That is so cool. Why did it do that? That's called breaching, Rafe said. Most kinds of whales breach. Some sharks do it too. But why do they do it? Dink asked. Scientists aren't 100% sure, Rafe said, but most think breaching helps the animals get rid of barnacles and lice that live on their bodies. When they hit the water, the little things get knocked off. Rafe grinned. Other scientists think orcas breach just for fun, the way we humans play in our swimming pools. Look, what's that one doing? Dink asked. He pointed to an orca with the top half of its body out of the water. He looks like he's watching us. That's exactly what he's doing, Rafe said. When they sit half out of the water like that, it's called spy hopping. He's spying on my boat. You're teasing us, right? Josh asked. Nope, not teasing, Rafe said. Orcas are smart and curious. They know the boat is here, but they can't see all of it from under the water. So they raise the top part of their body out of the water, and then they can see what's on the surface. 
But how do they do it? Dink asked. They use their tails for balance and their pectoral fins, their side fins, to stay upright, Rafe explained. We do the same thing with our legs and arms when we tread water. That is so cool, Josh said. We're watching them and they're watching us. The kids laughed as another orca popped up next to the first one that was spy hopping. Suddenly, a tall black fin rose much closer to the boat. Orca exhaled, making a whooshing sound and creating a plume of air and water. Look at his dorsal fin, Rafe said. See where it looks like it got bitten? Probably fighting another orca. This is the biggest male in the pod. I call him Jack. The orca disappeared as quickly as he had appeared. Jack will be back, Rafe said. How do you know he's a male? Ruth Rose asked. His dorsal fin points straight up, Rafe answered. Females and young orcas have curved dorsal fins. The kids watched as other orcas rose, breathed, and then sank away again. They tried to identify males and females. Jack surfaced every few minutes, and he didn't seem afraid of the boat. They could easily see the nick in his dorsal fin. Look, Rafe said in a low voice. See the curved dorsal fin on that female? I call her Lily. She has a tear in her fin just above her back. Something bit her there. Why did you name her Lily? Dink asked. Rafe grinned. That's my mother's name, he said. And Lily has a baby, but I don't see it yet. The baby's dorsal fin will be much smaller. The kids saw a small plume of air and water and a much smaller dorsal fin. The little orca swam next to Lily so close that their bodies touched. The mother was about three times as long as her calf. How big is the baby? asked Ruth Rose. She had her binoculars trained on the mother and calf. Well, Lily is about 20 feet long, half the length of my boat. I'd guess she weighs around 7,000 pounds, Rafe said. Her baby is maybe seven or eight feet, around 300 pounds. Why does the baby's skin look kind of orange in the white parts? Josh asked. The skin is white, but what you're seeing is the blood vessels under the skin, Rafe explained. Young orcas have thin skin, but as they grow older, they get more fat and we can't see the blood vessels. In a year, a year or so, the calf will look black and white like Lily. It wants to play, Josh said, pointing. The young orca was bumping Lily in her side. The calf wants to suckle, Rafe said. There are slits on the mother's side and that's where the babies get their milk. This one will nurse from Lily for a year or two before it stops. What do adult orcas eat? Dink asked Rafe. Orcas are carnivores, Rafe said. Some eat mostly fish like herring and salmon, even sharks. Other orcas seem to prefer seals and other sea creatures. Sometimes they go after whales. Do they ever eat humans? Josh asked. Rafe shook his head. Orcas in the wild have never been known to attack people, he said. Ugh. Good, said Josh. Rafe fired up his engine and started back toward town. The kids sat under the awning drinking lemonade. Josh pointed to something out in the distance. Look at that huge boat, he said. That's the Miranda, Rafe said, peering through his binoculars. It's owned by Drake Turner. He lives down about 200 miles southeast of here. It looks pretty big, Josh said. Yep, about three times the size of the Jamaica, Rafe said. Dink did the math. The Miranda is 120 feet long. Why does Mr. Turner call it the Miranda? Asked Dink. He named the boat after his wife, Rafe said. The Miranda was going slowly, and soon Rafe had left the big yacht in his wake.
Chapter 3 They were back at the boat harbor before five o'clock. The sun was just beginning to cast shadows along the wooden dock. Dink, Josh, and Ruth Rose thanked Rafe. What time should we be here tomorrow morning with my dad? Dink asked him. How about 10 o'clock? Rafe asked. I'll pack lunch and we'll spend a whole day looking at orcas and humpbacks. The kids waved goodbye and headed for the hotel. Once they were inside, they got in the elevator. Their rooms were on the third floor. It was a small hotel with just a few rooms on each floor. Look, Josh said inside of the elevator. His finger was an inch from a button with four P printed on it. I'll bet P stands for penthouse and it's right above our floor. Don't even think about pushing that button, Dink said, pressing the button for the third floor. He and Josh shared a room next to Ruth Rose's. Dink's father's room was across the hall. Josh used the key card and the three kids piled into the boys' room. Dink ran over and pulled the drapes, revealing sliding glass doors and a balcony. Josh yanked the doors open and the room filled with cool air that smelled like the ocean. The kids stepped onto the balcony, shielding their eyes against the sun. Seagulls soared and screamed over the water. Look, there's the Jamaica, Josh said. Ruth Rose got out her binoculars. I can see Rafe, she said. The, ki the kids all yelled and waved, but the Jamaica was too far away for Rafe to hear them. Ruth Rose swept the binoculars across the harbor. A lot of people are cooking and eating on their boats, she said. Can you see Mr. Turner's yacht, Josh asked. Ruth Rose moved the binoculars to the right. Yep, it's way out, tied to one of those buoy things, she said. It must be too big to tie up at the dock like Rafe's boat. When I become a billionaire, I'll buy a humongous boat, Josh said. I'll grow a beard and wear a captain's hat. Can we be your crew, Dink said. Josh grinned. Yeah, you can cook all my meals. Ice cream every day. The kids showered and changed and went out for pizza with Dink's father. That night, Dink dreamed he was back on a boat. It was longer and newer than the Jamaica. Josh was the captain and they were going to look for whales. When they found a pot of orcas, Captain Josh stopped the boat. Suddenly, the orcas rose out of the water, spy hopping. They all started making noises and waving their fins. What are you trying to tell me? Dink asked the orcas. He finally woke up with his sheet and blankets twisted around his body. Later, Dink told Josh and Ruth Rose about his dream. They were making squeaky noises, Dink said. I wish I could speak orca. After breakfast, the kids walked down to the boat dock with Dink's father. They all wore baseball caps and they had smeared sunblock on their arms, necks, and faces. Dink's father wore sunglasses and a New York Yankees cap. Rafe waved as they approached the Jamaica. Right on time, he said, shaking hands with Dink's father. You and Dink look a lot alike. Dink showed his dad where the life vests were kept and they all chose one and put it on. The four of them sat under the awning and watched Rafe back in the Jamaica, uh, back the Jamaica out of its slip. The engine was loud, so no one spoke. Rafe expertly took his boat over the waves without making too many big splashes. Dink and Josh started over, stared over the side, hoping to see whales or sharks or dolphins. Ruth Rose was looking through her binoculars. See anything interesting? Dink's father asked. She told him about the Miranda, Drake Turner's big yacht. It's tied up right over there. May I see, he asked. Ruth Rose handed him the binoculars. Mmm, nice, Dink's father said when he located the Miranda at its mooring. Someone is looking back at us. He handed the binoculars to Ruth Rose. Suddenly, the Jamaica slowed and settled in the water. Rafe cut the engine to a low purr. We're here, he said. He held his binoculars up to his eyes. Josh looked around at the miles of ocean. 
How can you tell we're in the right spot? The pod will be spread out over a range, Rafe said, but remember, they follow the fish or whatever they're after. After a few minutes, Rafe moved the boat to another spot several hundred yards away, cruising slowly. He saw no fins or spouts of water in air, so he moved the Jamaica again. It's so quiet, Dink said. Then, just to prove him wrong, a group of seagulls flew low over the boat, screeching. That's a good sign, Rafe said. That means there are fish nearby. I think I see a fin, Ruth Rose said suddenly, over there. She pointed while looking through her binoculars. Good eye, Ruth Rose, Josh said. Rafe moved the boat a little closer. Then he powered down and the Jamaica sat quietly in the water. About a hundred yards away, they all saw water spouts and black fins. I see Jack, Rafe said. It's the same pod. After a minute, he added, they're acting strange. They seem to be just swimming around, not really doing anything. Can you see Lily and her baby? Dink asked. Can't tell, Rafe said. I see females, but I can't spot the nick in her dorsal fin from here. They all watched quietly, looking especially for Lily and her calf. Chapter 4 Could Lily just be somewhere else today? Ruth Rose asked. Rafe shook his head. She wouldn't go off alone. Members of the pods are family, he said. Lily stays with the pod and her calf would never leave her. Then Rafe put a finger to his lips. Listen, he said. You can hear the orca's cries right through the bottom of my boat. The kids got down on the deck and put their ears to the wood. I hear them, Josh said. It sounds like they're calling to each other. Rafe got down lower and listened. Something isn't right here, he said. The orcas are acting odd, and their underwater cries don't sound normal either. Is that Lily? Dink's father asked, pointing to a fin several yards from the boat. You said she has a scar on her dorsal fin. Rafe looked. Yep, that's Lily, but I don't see the calf, he said. Lily took in some air through her blowhole. Then her fin disappeared. They all watched for Lily to surface again. She did every few minutes, but no one saw the calf. Do you think something bad happened? Josh asked. Rafe nodded, still staring at the water. Yes, I think something very bad happened, he said. Rafe stepped into his cabin. Dink, Josh, Ruth Rose, and Dink's father kept their eyes on the water. Seagulls screeched and the boat's engine hummed. Even with these sounds, the kids could still hear orca cries through the hull of the boat. Lily surfaced again, and she was alone. Other orcas were nearby, but the kids saw no calf. They told Rafe when he came out of his cabin, he was carrying a small wooden box. That's what I was afraid of, Rafe said, opening the box. I think Lily has lost her baby and she's grieving. Lost it? Dink asked. What do you mean? The baby might have died, Rafe said, or it might have been taken by poachers. The kids and Dink's father stared at Rafe. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes baby whales get stolen and sold, he said. How old is the calf? Dink's father asked. Almost three months, Rafe said. Still getting milk from Lily, which is why I'm really concerned. A young orca needs its mother's milk for at least a year, sometimes longer. From the box, Rafe took a silvery object attached to a long cable. He made a few adjustments, flicked a switch, and lowered the device and its cable over the side of the boat. He set the box on the deck and turned a few knobs. What's that? Josh asked. It's called a hydrophone, Rafe said. Really, just an underwater microphone. 
After a minute, they all heard strange, eerie sounds coming from speakers above them. The same noises could be faintly heard through the boat's hull. They heard a long cry. It went on and on. That sounds sad, Dink whispered. That's Lily crying out for her calf, Rafe said. The underwater noises went on for a minute or two, then faded away. Finally, all the sounds stopped. I guess the pod left the area, Rafe said. But what happened to the baby? Ruth Rose asked. Did a shark get it? Josh asked. I doubt it, Rafe said. It's very rare for a baby orca to be killed by a predator. Orcas are fierce fighters, and the pod would fight off any shark. Then someone really did take it? Dink asked. Rafe pulled the hydrophone out of the water, coiled the cable, and returned the device to the box. I think so, he said. But isn't that illegal? Dink's father asked. It sure is, Rafe said. The U.S. has strict laws about taking marine mammals of any kind. It's also illegal to feed or touch them. The government almost never allows anyone to take a young whale out of these waters. If someone took Lily's calf, they're breaking the law. But how do all those theme parks get whales and dolphins and stuff? Josh asked. Like you see on TV. Rafe shrugged. Most of them do it the proper way, he said. They get an official permit from a government agency, but there are always a few bad guys who break the law. They wait till the middle of the night when no other boats are around. They come out here, take a baby whale, then go back to shore. A poacher can sell a young whale or dolphin for a lot of money. How do they catch the baby? Ruth Rose asked. They need a big boat and nets, Rafe said. First, they find a pod that has a baby with its mother. The guys on the boat surround the pod with a long net so the whales can't swim away. Then they go after the baby. When the mother and the calf come up for air, they drop a small net around the little one. They haul it aboard, bring it to shore, and take the poor thing away to sell. Rafe shook its head, shook his head. The mother calls for her baby, and the little one calls back at her, he said. What we heard before was all the whales crying out for the missing calf. But how did the bad guys take the whale away on land? Dink asked. The calf could easily be hauled off in a small truck, Rafe said. But doesn't it need water? Ruth Rose asked. Sure, Rafe said. The poachers would keep it wet. Sometimes they put the calves in tanks of water. A whale would be okay for several hours that way. But that's so cruel, Ruth Rose said. Worse than cruel, Ruth told the group. Lily's calf, it really needs its mother's milk in order to survive. I'm really worried about her. She needs to stay safe. I agree, all of the kids said together. Chapter 5 It was time for them to go. They all thanked Rafe as they climbed off his boat. As they walked toward the end of the dock, Dink noticed the cool pool brother's van parked near a shady tree. The man he'd seen earlier was leaning against the van with binoculars up to his eyes. As the kids passed the van, the man said, The boat won't be here with the catch till midnight, so get comfortable. We're going to be here a while. Another man was opening the van's rear doors. They'd better show up with the goods, he said. Those big nets we gave them were expensive. Dink turned around and looked into the back of the van. He saw a long tank half filled with water. Dink stopped, staring at the van. Thoughts buzzed around in his brain like angry wasps. He felt his dad's hand on his shoulder. You okay, bud? Did you get too much sun today? 
No, I'm fine, Dad, Dink said. In fact, why don't you go back to the hotel without us? We're going to hang out down here for a while. We are, Josh said, but I need a shower. Dink grabbed Josh's arm and gave him a look. Come on, Josh and Ruth Rose, let's go check out some of those boats. See you later, Dad. Dink's father waved and then headed up the the dock. Dink pulled Josh and Ruth Rose over to a bench. What's going on? Ruth Rose asked. Shh, Dink said. He pointed at the cool pool brother's van. What about it? Josh asked. Keep your voice down, Dink said. That van and one of those guys were at the hotel before, and I just heard the other one say something about buying nets. They're waiting for a boat to come in at midnight with a catch. Josh and Ruth Rose just looked at Dink. And, Dink went on, lowering his voice even more, there's a tank of water in the back of their van. So they have water in their van, Josh said. He grinned at Dink. They're pool guys, dude. Wait, let me finish, Dink said. Remember Rafe told you how you'd need a boat and nets to steal a baby whale? What if the boat these guys are waiting for has Lily's baby? What if they're going to bring the baby here at midnight? And what if those cool pool guys are going to take it away in their van? Josh stood up to get a better look at the van. Don't stare, Dink hissed, pulling Josh back onto the bench. Dink pointed at the man with holding the binoculars. That guy was carrying a briefcase when he came out of the hotel. And on the briefcase, it had the initials D.T. Oh my gosh, Ruth Rose said. Drake Turner's name is D.T. And if the pool guy had his briefcase, that could mean that Drake Turner is part of the gang. Chapter 6 I think we need to spy on Mr. Turner, Ruth Rose said. He's probably in his penthouse waiting to hear from the cool pool guys that they have the calf. If his helicopter lands, the baby orca will disappear forever. I think we should call the police now, Josh said. If we tell them the plan, they can surround the helicopter when it lands. Josh, we can't prove any of this, Dink said. We can't ask the police to wait for a helicopter that might not even land. So what should we do? Josh asked. That baby orca needs to be with his mom. I think it would be smarter to keep an eye on those pool guys, Dink said. He nodded toward the van. If I'm right, we'll see them putting the baby in the van. Then we call the helicopter before they take it. Then we call the police before they take it to the helicopter. It's four in the afternoon, Josh said. You said the boat is supposed to come around midnight, right? Dink nodded. That's what I heard one of them say. So do we just sit here all afternoon watching two guys who are waiting for a boat? Josh looked at his watch. That's eight hours. We can leave and come back later. The kids left the harbor. Why don't we try to find Mr. Turner's helicopter pad, Dink suggested. His chopper could already be there waiting. It's behind the library, Ruth Rose said, but we don't know where that is. Easy peasy, Josh said. He walked up to a man with a black poodle on a leash. Excuse me, can you tell us where the town library is? The man smiled and pointed along Main Street. Juno has three libraries, but the closest one is right up the street. Thank you, Josh said. The kids crossed the street and walked until they stood in front of a tiny brick building. Juno Public Library was carved into the concrete over the entrance. A woman stood on the steps, washing the glass doors. She noticed the kids and dropped her cleaning cloth in a bucket. Hello there, she said, looking them over. Do I know you? 
We're from Connecticut, Dink said. I'm Dink. These are my friends, Josh and Ruth Rose. Pleased to meet you, the woman said. I'm Carol Waxman, the librarian. Is the library open? Ruth Rose asked. Oh, yes. Would you like to come in? Carol asked. I'm afraid you can't take any books out since you don't live here, but you can browse all you want. Carol held the door open and the kids walked in. Books were piled everywhere, not just on the shelves, but on tables and chairs, even stacked high on the floor and jammed tight in the windowsills. A man sat in the corner with a pile of newspapers on his lap reading. Two teenage girls sat at the table looking at magazines and whispering. Please don't mind the mess, Carol told Dink, Josh, and Ruth Rose. We ran out of book space years ago. The other two libraries in town are cramped too. I stick books wherever I can find a spot. But don't worry, I can find any book in the building. Can we just walk around, Dink asked. Of course, Carol said. If you see something you like, plop down somewhere and read to your heart's content. Dink headed for the rear of the library. He found a window and looked out. He saw a grassy field with a circle painted in black. That's it, he mumbled. What's it? Josh asked. He and Ruth Rose had walked up behind him. Drake Turner lands his helicopter right there, Dink said. Fingers crossed it doesn't land there tonight, Ruth Rose said. And she crossed her fingers. Chapter 7 the kids walked through the children's section of the library. Everywhere they looked, they saw stacks of books, boxes of books, bags of books. The shelves were packed with books so tightly, Dink figured it would be impossible to pull one out. Josh bumped into a stack, nearly knocking it over. They need a bigger library, he muttered. How are you supposed to find a book you want? Josh's question gave Dink an idea. He turned toward Carol Waxman's desk. Excuse me, do you have a book called Wonderful Island, he asked. Carol closed her eyes. Sounds familiar, she said. Do you know the author? No, sorry, Dink said. Is it a children's book, Carol asked. Dink nodded. For little kids, I think. We know a five-year-old boy who read it over and over. Oh, a five-year-old. That makes finding it simpler, Carol said. Give me a few minutes. The librarian disappeared around a corner. The kids heard her moving books and muttering to herself. Then they heard, Aha! Found you! Carol came back to the desk carrying a thin picture book. Wonderful Island by Jamie Cooper, she said, holding the book out to Dink. Now I remember a few years ago, I read this to a group of kindergartners. As I recall, they adored it. Dink, Josh, and Ruth Rose sat at the table and read the book. There were lots of pictures and not many words. The story was about Jamie Cooper when he was a boy. One summer, his parents rented a house on an island in a lake in Maine. The kids read about how Jamie learned to swim and sail a boat. He learned how to read animal tracks in the dirt around his house. He found an orphan bunny and fed it milk from a baby bottle. He picked blueberries and fed them to ducks and chipmunks. Wow, that Jamie was a lucky kid, Josh said. Ruth Rose read the front flap of the book jacket. This is a true story, she said. Josh asked, so this island is a real place? It is. That is so cool, Ruth Rose said. They returned Wonderful Island to Carol and thanked her. She had an armful of books trying to find room on a shelf. You're entirely welcome, she said. Then she sighed. Now, if I only had a few rooms for all these books, I'd be a happy woman. Why doesn't the town build a bigger library, Josh asked. Money, honey, Carol said, letting out a big sigh. If I ever win the lottery, I'll expand this library myself. There are two acres out back I could build on, but I doubt the owner would sell. Who owns them? Ruth Rose asked. A man named Drake Turner, Carol said, one of the richest men in Alaska. 
He uses the field to land his silly helicopter. You should hear the racket that thing makes. We know him, Josh said, sort of. We're staying at his hotel. He owns a big yacht, too. Ah, yes, Carol said. Mr. Turner owns a lot of things. I just wish he loved books as much as he loves his money. The kids thanked Carol and left. Chapter 8 After dark, the kids met in Ruth Rose's room. They all wore dark clothes. Ruth Rose stuck her camera in the pocket of her pants. What's that for? Josh asked. If we see that baby orca getting kidnapped, a picture will prove it, Ruth Rose said. They took the stairs down, crouched down, and ran past the counter. Outside, it was dark. They raced toward the boat dock. The boat harbor was lit with lanterns on tall poles. There were more lights near the boats, making it almost seem like daytime. Why are there so many lights here? Josh asked. I guess it's so the boat owners don't trip and fall in the water. They found the van where they had last seen it. The two poolmen were standing near the dock looking out to sea. One of them had a cell phone to his ear. The kids ran over and crawled under a big tree's bottom branches. Old pine needles covered the ground, making it a soft place to sit. Cool, it's like being in a cave, Josh said. He made himself comfortable leaning against the tree trunk. Ruth Rose got out her camera. Dink kept his eyes on the two men near the dock. Minutes passed, mosquitoes and other tiny bugs flew around the kids' faces. Josh closed his eyes. Wake me when it gets exciting around here, he said. Five minutes later, Dink poked him. There's a boat coming, he whispered. Josh sat up. They all leaned forward and Dink peeked between two branches. A boat was pulling into the empty slit. A light shone on the deck where three men were dragging a bulky tarp to the fore area of the boat. Look at that tarp, Ruth Rose whispered. It's wiggling. The waiting pool men grabbed the front end of the boat, stopping it from hitting the dock pilings. One of the men went to the van and backed it as close to the boat as possible. Then he jumped out and opened the rear doors. The other pool guys and the men on the boat started laughing. Something shiny was flopping around on the boat deck. It was a large fish, and it wriggled its way into the water with a soft splash. Don't worry, mate, one of the men on the boat told the pool guy. We've got at least 200 more of those for you. So we're even, the pool guy asked. Yep, like we agreed, the guy on the boat said. You give us 100 bucks and new nets, and we give you 500 pounds of fresh, fresh salmon. Awesome, the pool guy said, grabbing one end of the tarp. Let's get these beauties into our van. We have to be there early if we want to get the, the best price at markets. Josh let out a sigh. Fish, he said. The pool guys are here to buy fish, not a baby whale. Ruth Rose dropped her camera back in her pocket. The kids watched the men load the salmon into the tank of their van. When they finished, they slammed the rear doors and drove away. Feeling disappointed, Dink, Josh, and Ruth Rose walked toward the hotel. Okay, so the pool guys didn't steal the baby orca, Dink said, but somebody did, and the baby needs... (gasps) Suddenly... Josh put his hands out and stopped Dink and Ruth Rose. Quick, hide, he said, and pulled them behind some bushes. They dropped to the ground. What are you doing, Dink said. There's a guy walking toward us. The stranger came closer, passing only a few feet from the kids. It's Drake Turner, Ruth Rose whispered. Drake Turner kept walking, heading for the dock. Dink waited for five seconds, then stood up. Come on, he said. This is getting interesting. 
They followed Drake Turner staying in the shadows. He moved quietly along the dock and seemed to be studying each boat. Finally, he stopped walking and let out a low whistle. After a few seconds, a light on one of the boats switched on. Drake hurried over and climbed aboard. What is he doing? Josh whispered. They were huddled behind a trash dumpster. Getting on a boat, Dink said, talking to some guys. I can't hear what they're saying. The kids left the shadow of the dumpster and stepped onto the wooden dock. Look, there's Rafe's boat, Ruth Rose whispered. The kids approached the boat where Drake Turner and the three men were talking. Twenty feet from the boat, Ruth Rose stopped. They crept closer until they were only ten feet from the boat, hiding behind a tall wooden crate. They looked right onto the deck. Four men stood on the deck, talking quietly. Drake Turner handed the gym bag to a man with muscled arms. The man pulled open the zipper and looked inside. Chapter 9 Are you ready to make the transfer early tomorrow morning? Mr. Turner asked quietly. The man with the gym bag nodded. Before the sun comes up, Drake Turner pointed over his shoulder. The boat will be right over there. We'll find her, the bald man said. Can I see the calf now? Drake asked. The other two men shoved a thick pile of nets to one side. One of them bent over and pulled open a trapdoor fitted into the deck. All four men looked down into the space. Drake Turner got on his knees and reached a hand into the opening. The kids saw something wet moving under Drake's hand. He stood up, nodded at the other men, and left the boat. The kids crouched as he passed their hiding place. It's Lily's baby, Ruth Rose whispered. Dink and Josh nodded. They watched the men on the boat. On their hands and knees, the kids inched closer. Suddenly, Ruth Rose jumped up and raced toward the boat. She had her camera in her hand and snapped a picture. When the flash went off, the men turned. One of them yelled, hey, you! Ruth Rose bolted down the wooden dock as fast as her legs would carry her. Behind her, she heard a voice yell, it was some kid with a camera. Ruth Rose raced back to Dink and Josh. Pine tree, she called out as she shot past them. Dink and Josh flew after Ruth Rose. Seconds later, the, bo the boys dove through the tree's lower branches and threw themselves into the pine needles in the dirt. Ruth Rose was already there. Dink felt his heart thumping hard in his chest. He thought he was going to faint. The three men thundered past the tree. Where the heck did the kid go? One of them shouted. We need that camera. Look everywhere. Josh was on his back, gulping mouthfuls of air. I think I'm going to throw up, he gasped. You said you wanted excitement, Dink whispered. Yeah, the kind of excitement that gives me goosebumps, Josh said. Not the kind that gives me a heart attack. We can't stay here, Ruth Rose whispered. They'll come back and start searching. All I want to do is go back to bed, Josh said. Ruth Rose was already crawling out from the branches. Rafe's boat, she said as she sprinted toward the boat slips. Dink and Josh raced after her onto the dock. This time they weren't trying to be quiet. Their sneakers pounded the wood planks as they ran. In seconds they were standing next to the Jamaica, sweating and out of breath. Rafe, Ruth Rose said, are you in there? Rafe Johnson's head popped out of his cabin door. Ruth Rose, he said, what's going on, girl? Can we come aboard, Dink asked. Some men are chasing us. Rafe grabbed Ruth Rose and pulled her onto the boat. Dink and Josh followed and all of them clambered down into the cabin. Rafe slid the cabin door into place and threw a bolt. Now what is going on, he asked the three kids. Who's chasing you? The men who took the baby orca, Ruth Rose said. We found the calf. Ruth, 
Rafe dimmed the light and turned off the TV. Sit, he told the kids. They squeezed together on a narrow sofa and told him about how they had followed Drake Turner. He gave the guys on the boat a gym bag full of money. Rafe nodded. I saw Lily's baby, Ruth Rose said. She found the picture and handed the camera to Rafe. Wow, great shot, he said. I see the calf's head, but you only got the men's legs. Without seeing their faces, we can't prove who was there. We know Mr. Turner was there, Ruth Rose said. We all saw him hand over the money. But what about the calf, Dink said. How long can it go without its without Lily's milk? Only a day or two, Rafe said. I think we should ask Mr. Turner to give the baby orca back to its mother, Ruth Rose said. They all stared at her. But he just paid money for it, Josh said. He'd never return it. He might, Ruth Rose said. But if he won't, we can call the police. Dink nodded. Let's go try, he said. Ruth Rose asked Rafe to bring his tape recorder. The four of them left the Jamaica and hurried toward the Turner Hotel. I bet he won't even talk to us, Josh said. The kids and Rafe trooped into the hotel lobby. Can I push the button, please, once they got into the elevator? Go for it, Dink said. Josh mashed the button with a big 4P on it. The elevator hummed as it took them to Drake Turner's penthouse. When the elevator door opened, they stepped into a small carpeted room. There was a chair, a mirror on the wall, and a vase of flowers. Next to the flowers was a door with a peephole. Dink leaned his ear against the door. I think I hear a TV, he said. Ruth Rose looked at Rafe. He set the tape recorder outside Drake Turner's door. Ready, he said. Ruth Rose knocked on the door. Nothing happened. She knocked again, louder. I think the TV went off, Dink whispered. Who's out there? A voice asked through the door. Ruth Rose and Dink and Josh, Ruth Rose said. We're staying in your hotel. What do you want? The voice asked. We want to talk to you about a missing baby orca. Chapter 10. The door opened. Drake Turner stood there. His eyes looked sad. Who are you? He asked. Rafe Johnson. I own one of the whale watching boats, Rafe said. Ruth Rose showed Mr. Turner her camera. I took a picture of you and those guys on the boat, she said, and the baby orca you stole. Drake Turner backed away from the door. Uh, I have nothing to say, he muttered. Could we talk to you? Dink asked. It's important. That baby whale really needs to be close to its mother. It needs the mommy milk. Josh said that it was very important. Drake Turner stared at the floor. Then he nodded. Please come in, he said. All the lights were on in the apartment. The carpet was thick and white. The furniture was black leather. The gray walls were hung with photos of Mr. Turner with a smiling redhead woman and redheaded boy. The pictures showed them at the beach, aboard the Miranda, and in front of Christmas tree. This way, Drake Turner said. He led them down a hallway and stopped in front of a closed door. He let out a big sigh. My wife took my son away from me a year ago, he said. I really miss them. I've tried everything to get them back, and I've looked everywhere, but nothing ever came of it. He glanced at Josh. My son has hair the same color as yours, he said, opening the door and switching on a light. It was a little boy's room. A mural of whales swimming in the ocean had been painted on one wall. A bulletin board held pictures of whales. A whale mobile hung from the ceiling, and a stuffed whale lay on the bed. My boy loved whales, as you can see, Drake Turner said. 
He pointed to a little kid's crayon drawing of a whale. The night Miranda and Tyler left, I found that on my desk. I don't know why he colored it green. He sat on the bed. He picked up the stuffed whale and held it on his lap. I know it's silly, but I was feeling kind of desperate. My son's birthday is next week. The baby orca is for him, if I ever find him. I know I broke the law, but my son's probably not coming back, so it was all for nothing. But how would you even keep a baby orca alive, Rafe asked. The young ones need their mothers for at least a year. They need salt water. They need their orca families. At my place down the coast, I built a special pond, Mr. Turner said. It's an inlet of the ocean, and I dammed it up to form a sort of outdoor aquarium. I hired a whale expert to help take care of it. The calf would have everything it needs. But that pond would be like a prison to an orca, Rafe said. It needs its mother and its milk. We came to ask you to return the baby to its mother, Ruth Rose said. There's still time, Mr. Turner, Rafe said. Drake Turner stroked the stuffed whale and then set it on the pillow. Of course I will, he said. I never thought about the mother's milk. I never wanted to cause it any harm. I just really wish my family could get back together. Everyone got quiet. I'll go talk to the man that I need to. I'll persuade him to release the little orca as soon as possible. Thank you, Ruth Rose cried. Josh was studying the drawing of the green whale. He looked at Mr. Turner. Do you have a computer? He asked. Of course, but why? I think I know where your son might be, Josh said. I can show you the computer. Josh found a search engine, typed in a few words, and waited while something came up on the screen. You know that book your son was so crazy about? Drake Turner shook his head. I'm afraid I never took much time to read with my son. I don't know what books he was reading. He loved a book called Wonderful Island. Josh showed the picture of the laptop screen. It was a photo of Fry Island taken from the air. It does look like Tyler's drawing. That's not a green whale, he told Mr. Turner. That's a picture of the island that he went to with his parents in the book. The island is shaped like a whale. Tyler copied it and made the drawing. I'll bet you anything that he wants you to go there and find him. Mr. Turner studied the laptop screen and Tyler's green drawing. This Fry Island really exists, he said. It's in Sabago Lake in Maine, Ruth Rose said. We read it in the library book today. Mr. Turner pulled a cell phone from his pocket. He tapped a number and then said, Hello, this is Drake Turner. Yes, I know it's after midnight. I'm sorry if I woke you. I need you to have your detectives check out Fry Island. It's in Sabago Lake in Maine. Yes, Maine. Check the hotels and bed and breakfast. There's a chance that my wife and son are there. Mr. Turner listened. Thank you. This means everything to me. Then he called the man that he needed to to get the baby whale taken care of. He handed the phone to Rafe. Please explain how he needs to get this baby whale back to its mother. It was time to return the whale to his mother. On the way to the boat dock, Mr. Turner's cell phone chirped in his pocket. He tapped a key and said, Hello, this is Drake. He listened and closed his eyes. Your men found them, he asked. Yes, red hair, both of them. Great work. Let's talk in the morning. I'm in the middle of something very important. Thank you very, very much. Mr. Turner was beaming. I found my family. You were right. They were on a cottage on Fry Island, he said. Awesome, Josh said. Are you going there? I'll fly in as soon as I can, he said. I have to try. I know I can be a wonderful husband and father. His eyes looked hopeful. How can I thank you? 
Josh would love to see your vote, your yacht, Dink said. Drake smiled at Josh. Really? You'd like to come aboard the Miranda? Sure, Josh said. Only I'm too polite to ask you. Dink isn't polite at all. Mr. Turner laughed. Let's have lunch on the Miranda tomorrow, he said. I'll send the dinghy to the dock at noon. But lunch doesn't seem nearly enough. I'd like to do something special for you kids. I know something, Dink said. We met a lady. Before Dink could continue, they felt the boat slow. Here, Rafe? How can you tell in the middle of the night? I've been to this spot a thousand times, Rafe said, looking out at the dark sea through his binoculars. A searchlight flicked on and aimed toward the water, sweeping it back and forth in a slow arc. No one saw a fin or any signs of whales breathing. Should we try a different spot? Rafe asked. He pointed a few hundred yards to the right. I think I see something, Dink cried. Or, I think I did. Heck turned the light to where Dink was pointing. Yes, Rafe said. It's a pot, all right. Closer. They went closer. Rafe trained his binoculars on one fin that was six feet out of the water. That's Jack, he said. You found the pod. Okay, let's do it. They slowed the boat, then walked over to the machine with the crane arm that could be swung, raised, and lowered. A large hook hung from its dangling cable. Using a lever, they guided the arm to spot over the tr- to a spot over the trapdoor. They pulled the trapdoor lid open and everyone looked down in the hold. The young orca was lying still in several inches of water. Its blowhole made a little chuffing sound as the calf breathed in and out. I've been talking to the baby, keeping it calm, Heck told Rafe. Do you think it understood me? Sure, Rafe said. Orcas are very smart. We pour in cold seawater every hour. You did so well, Rafe said. He looked at the calf. Time to go see your mama, little one. Chapter 12. The calf is lying on a canvas stretcher inside the tank. I'll hook the crane to the stretcher to lift it out. Then, if you'll all guide it, we'll take it over to the side. Now, as the crane lifts, you guys all grab on and keep the stretcher even. Are you sure this will work? Rafe asked. Yep, this is how I haul in the nets filled with fish. It's how I brought the calf aboard last night. He pulled the lever and the crane cable became taut. Slowly, the stretcher began to rise out of the tank. Water dripped on everyone as they held on to keep the load from tipping or swinging. Keep it even. Don't let the baby slip out. The crane arm moved to the side of the boat. Six pairs of handy hands held onto the stretcher. The calf wriggled and thumped its tail. Dink heard it make little crying noises. Just a few more seconds, Dink whispered. Okay, I'm going to lower it into the water. Watch your hands. Don't get pinched. The crane arm moved the stretcher out over the water and they lowered it. They all watched as the baby orca sank into the water. The calf lay still for a minute, then wriggled free from the stretcher. It floated on the surface, blowing air through its blowhole. Suddenly, a tall curved fin appeared from below the calf. Air blew from the blowhole, making a small jet next to the baby. It's Lily, Dink cried. Now this is what I call exciting, Josh said. Lily nuzzled her baby, bumping it gently with her nose. The baby went immediately to Lily's side for milk. Lily dove and the baby followed. Well, that was something special. (sighs) Mr. Turner clapped. Well done, everyone. Rats, Ruth Rose said. I was so excited I forgot to take pictures. 
At noon the next day, Dink, Josh, and Ruth Rose were waiting on the dock. A white rubber dinghy sped across the water toward them. It slowed and came to rest on one of the pilings. A minute later, they were racing across the water. Salt spray flew up and wet their faces. Their hair flew back and their eyes watered. Welcome aboard, Drake Turner shouted from the upper deck of the yacht. The dinghy rested against a ladder, and Simon helped each kid put a foot on the bottom rung. Follow me, Mr. Turner said as the kids sipped on some juice. Lunch is almost ready. He brought them to a table standing in the shade of the awning. The table was set with a white tablecloth and blue plates. I hope you like burgers and fries and ice cream, Drake Turner said. That was the chef's suggestion. Tell the chef we love him, Josh called out. When everyone had had a burger and plenty of fries, Drake Turner said, Last night, seeing the mother orca reunited with her baby, I realized how foolish I was taking the baby. I want to thank you for making me see that what I did was wrong. Mr. Turner took a sip of water. Now, on the boat, you started to tell me about a lady, he said. Her name is Carol Waxman, Dink said. She's a librarian in town. Oh, yes, Mr. Turner said. I own the piece of land behind the library. My pilot puts the helicopter there now and then. Well, she has a problem, Ruth Rose said. The kids explained how tiny the library was with not nearly enough room for all the books. They told him how Carol wanted to buy the land so she could expand the library. She can't do it because she doesn't have enough money, Josh said. Drake Turner stared out to sea for a minute, then called to one of his crew members. Ronnie, bring me my phone, will you please? Ronnie brought a silver smartphone to the table. Can you get me the number for Carol Waxman, Mr. Turner said? She's a librarian. Ronnie tapped a few keys, then dialed a number. Hold on, please, he said, then handed the phone to his boss. Hello, is this Miss Waxman, he asked. This is Drake Turner speaking. I land my helicopter behind your library. He winked at the kids. Yeah, I know the helicopter is noisy and smelly, Miss Waxman. Starting now, that land belongs to your library, he told you. No more helicopters in your backyard. I'll send the paperwork tomorrow. The kids could hear Carol's excited thank yous over the phone. Don't thank me, he said. Thank those three kids who came in to see you yesterday, the ones from Connecticut. More thankful sounds came from Mr. Turner's cell phone. One more thing, Miss Waxman, Drake Turner said. I want to help you build an extension to the library. I'll bring a check to you tomorrow, and I also have friends who will donate. They all heard Carol Waxman's joy over the phone. Josh and Ruth Rose were beaming. Dink put down his hamburger. He just felt really happy. Drake Turner handed the cell phone back to Ronnie. I'll be taking the chopper to the airport tomorrow, Ronnie, he said. Will you ask the pilot to pick me up behind the library for the last time? Drake looked at the kids. Carol Waxman says she owes each of you a big hug, he said. Josh giggled. Mr. Turner set his, nap his napkin down. Well, this has been an expensive lunch, he said, laughing. Are we done, Josh asked, looking panicked. I thought there was ice cream. The end. Man, what a wonderful book. Operation Orca. <sighs> what a mystery. I'm so glad that those kids figured out who stole the baby orca, and they also figured out how to get it back to its mom safe and sound. I love you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed this book, Operation Orca by Ron Roy.